Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from Hackettstown, New Jersey, right, Warren County, where they make M&M candies. So uh, they don't make them on our farm. They make them about two miles away from our farm. So if you've been a listener to my show, you know that, but I guess we all need to have a claim to fame. And being a dry land farmer from Cat Swamp Road, I guess that is my claim to fame. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. And if you're listening to this, then it's either Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern or Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM channel 147 Rural Radio, right? The most important network on Sirius XM. Don't tell them that. So, uh, because they won't like that, but Rural Radio is where it's at, baby. And then, or you may be listening to this as a podcast, because one week, you all know that, one week after it airs on Rural Radio, it is listed as a podcast on my website, which is farmmachinerydigest.com. And it's also, I think, on Stitcher, on Google Podcasts, or a number of other hosting sites, uh, FM player or iHeartRadio. But if you go to my website, that's actually probably the best place for you to go, farmmachinerydigest.com, and you could subscribe from there. But if you get, you know, if you are a, a user of a, or a consumer of a different podcast hosting site, you should be able to find it there. And I'm going to ask you to do me a favor, please. If you can't find it, Farm Machinery Digest Radio, on your favorite podcast hosting site then just send me an email at hotrodfarmer at farmmachinerydigest.com and then my web person my graphic artist my art director my guru of all things digital will get that listed there so so that you could have access to it so thank you so much for that and then also we got two winners right of hot rod farmer license plates and if you want to get into that contest very 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 simple then again, go back to my website and just fill out the form and tell me a little bit about where, you're, where you are from so I could give you a pin in my map and then you will be I, you will be uh, announced on both the radio show and my podcast, Idle Chatter. And as I said before, I'm doing this so that I can know where my audience is so I could better tailor the content of my show for you and for my podcast, Idle Chatter. So fill out that form and you will get into the contest to win this free USA-made hot rod farmer license plates. And so far, it, the winners have really, really enjoyed, I should say, it's been received to high acclaim. And I say that humbly. All right, so it's not a Mickey Mouse license plate. It's, it's the extra thick aluminum. It's not, not from China. It's made down in Georgia. So this week, we have two winners, one is Mr. Donald Jeffries from Danbury, Texas. And then Mr. Franklin Rood, R-O-O-D, from Canton, New York. So, gentlemen, because you uh, did not, well, not you didn't do anything wrong. I, I'm not good with, with identifying these emails. So I need for you to reach out to me and at Hot Rod Farmer at FarmMachineryDigest.com. And I will give me your mailing address and I will get that right over here to the local post office from Alamucci. Even though I tell you from Hackettstown, we're really in Alamucci Township. We pay taxes to Alamucci, A-L-L-A-M-U-C-H-Y. 
which is a Native American name. And actually, we have a very, very dynamic, and God bless them, volunteer fire department and volunteer ambulance corps. And we have an uh, Indian head uh, with a head uh, headdress on and everything as our logo because this was all Native American, this area here. And matter of fact, years ago, when I was a kid, a little kid, my mother used to find a lot of arrowheads on the farm. We used to go looking for arrowheads uh, when my father, we, we would plow the land. We have a tomahawk head, and she used to make up a nice display for me when I was in element. And my sister also, she's older than I am, so she actually got the display first. And she'd put it like in a shoebox with cotton, and she'd identify everything, and we would bring it in back in kindergarten in the well, first, second grade. They used to have show and tell. God knows if, what the, if they had that today, I don't think they do because my wife is a kindergarten teacher, as you know, Charlotte down in the city there, near Newark, New Jersey. She's my 110-mile-a-day girl, 55 miles each way. <clears throat> if they had show-and-tell today down there in kindergarten, the kids would be bringing in a Ruger or an Uzi or a, uh, a crack pipe or something. So that's not what we brought in years ago. So that is that. And on today's show, what we're going to be talking about is getting that old grain truck, that old gas grain truck. There's so many of those trucks floating around on farms that were used in the 70s and early 80s to haul grain. And lots of times they're sitting behind the barn because they don't run right. So that's what we're going to talk about. And then also, I am going to be uh, getting in the next two weeks, two Ford Mavericks to road test, the only farmer-focused road test in North America that I am aware of. If there's one, then forgive me, but I do it on this, this radio show. And I'll do it also on my website. And I, I look through, the, I get press vehicles, and I, and I use them and look at them and, and rate them, I should say, through the eyes of someone who is a farmer or lives in rural America or rural Canada. So you've got to, got to be concerned with the ground clearance. You've got to be concerned with the headlights. You've got to be concerned how it goes in a wet field. So that's what I do. So I'm getting two Ford Mavericks back-to-back. The first one is going to be a hybrid. And the second one is going to be an EcoBoost. And they are both front-wheel drive versions. So I'm going to test those. According to Ford, they could carry 1,500 pounds. Well, I'm going to put an empty IBC tote in it and do the math and fill it up with my well water. And we're going to see how that bad boy does with 1,500 pounds in the back of it. So this way you would know as a farmer whether you could use this. Obviously, you're not going to tow a fifth-wheel trailer with it or a gooseneck with it, but it could be a very good vehicle to serve the family as an extra vehicle around the farm if it makes the grade. But we know, you won't know for a couple of weeks yet until that episode airs. So listen, sit pat during the break and never forget, agriculture runs on machinery, but profits on reliability. I'm Stormy Warren from The Highway. For singers and songwriters chasing their dreams to Music City, taking that Broadway exit to Nashville for the very first time is a moment they will never forget. Country music's biggest stars join me on my new original podcast, Exit 209, and relive those moments. Listen now to hear my talk with country superstars, Florida, Georgia Line. Only on the SiriusXM app, now home to the best collection of podcasts in one place. Free for most subscribers. Download it today and tap Podcasts. 
Hi, this is Red Stegall. I want you to join me every Saturday morning at 7 o'clock Eastern, and together we'll explore the life of the American cowboy through his poetry and his music on Cowboy Corner Collections. These are shows that we've recorded and aired over the past two decades, including the music and poetry of our friends as well as myself and the boys in the bunkhouse. With stories by America's great storytellers, join me as we ride through the West on Cowboy Corner Collections, Saturday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern on Rural Radio. If you plan a visit to the Fort Worth Stockyards, then you'll want to mosey on in to the Cowboy Channel Bar on Exchange Avenue. It's the first and only sports bar devoted solely to Western sports. And it's a great place to tune in to the Cowboy Channel, gather with friends, and throw back a cold one. So come and discover one of the best watering holes around. And be sure to wear your hat, because the Cowboy Channel Bar is where the cowboys and cowgirls gather. It's the Ranch It Up Radio Show. Join me, Jeff Tigger Earhart. Tigger. Boss Lady Beck and my crew as we talk this time of year when we get the boys ready to turn out. We have an update from the AIPN, the latest market information, sale barn reports, and lots more. This Saturday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, right here, Rural Radio, Channel 147 on Sirius XM. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. And we're going to be discussing getting that old, and I'm going to call it a grain truck, because usually that's what they were they were bought for, that's what they were built for. They were usually a medium-duty, uh, either Chevy, Ford, or Dodge, right? Those were the only companies back then that really made some. I mean, it could be, it could be an international, or it could be something else, but uh, it could be an old Lodestar, right, with a 345 in it, gas motor. So I really shouldn't paint myself into that Chevy Ford Dodge um, box. So what I'm going to talk about here is going to apply to any one of those types of applications. So a gasoline engine in a grain truck, and uh, maybe it's not a grain truck anymore. Maybe you got a flatbed on it and you use it as a, uh, a nurse tank truck. So who knows, right? And lots of guys will put tanks in the back of the grain body and use that and then use it to haul grain to the elevator as an ex- as a extra uh, vehicle. So regardless of what you use it for, it's not doing you anything good. And, you know, in the introduction, I said sitting behind the barn. And maybe you don't have a barn on your place. If you didn't have livestock, you probably didn't have a barn. But, you know, growing up here in Warren County, this was dairy country. We never dairied. We bought our farm from a dairyman. But personally, the Bohaxes never dairied. But uh, back then, it was all dairy, dairy here. And sadly, it is not anymore. There's still some dairy, a couple of dairy operations. But then everybody was dairy almost everybody back then so we really didn't have too many uh, grain trucks because the the guys back then weren't even running combines they'd run choppers so anyway so i used to love as a young boy with my parents traveling and going out to pennsylvania out cross country and then seeing these grain trucks now and to me i love a tandem axle a tandem axle gas job or to tell you the truth, I actually even like better, a tandem axle medium duty with a Detroit in it because those old Detroits, those two strokes, man, those things would sing. They'd rev up like that. No, well, they would sing. They'd sing soprano, right? I'd love that sound. But anyway, the whole idea is to get this vehicle 
to be functional again. And most of the time, there's nothing major that is wrong with them. And by putting a little bit of time and a little bit of effort into it, you could get this old truck. And usually that old truck had some family lineage. Maybe grandpa bought it. Maybe your great-grandpa bought it. Maybe your dad your dad bought it. Matter of fact, they, uh, I, I know one of my listeners down in Missouri, he has an old Dodge 600, D600, that was his, I think, his great-grandfather's that he restored and uh, uses it around the farm. So it's, um, it's, you know, you don't want to do a million-dollar restoration, but on this show today, we're going to talk about just getting this sucker running so we could use it, all right? So the first thing that I'm going to suggest that you do is take get a carburetor kit for it, take the carburetor apart and clean it, all right? Because if it was sitting, the, the, the different ports in the carburetor, and there's a lot more to a carburetor than, than just jets. There's air bleeds, there's emulsion holes, emulsion holes or tubes depending upon the design there's a metering rod or a power valve so take get a carburetor kit for it and take this carburetor apart on the bench and clean it all right clean it very well make sure that you chain that the important thing though is that as you when you take it apart and you get your carburetor kit you're going to have to make sure that the gaskets for the carburetor are the right ones because there's so many generic carburetor kits. It may be for a motorcraft or a Holly carburetor or a Rochester or a carburetor, a Carter, excuse me, but there's all different models within that same family, just like you have all different corn seed, right? It's not all the same. It's corn seed or soybean seed. It's different hybrids. So what you want to do is you want to take the old gasket off as, as carefully as possible. If you think it's going to tear, then before you take it off, take the new gasket from the kit and lay it on there and then study it to make sure all the holes line up properly and, and hopefully, God willing, they do. And don't forget to set the, to adjust the float level. The float level on the carburetor is like seed to soil contact when you're planting, all right? If you don't have the float level correct, all bets are off. If the float level is too low, it's going to pull over from the main metering circuit too late, and it's going to be running lean. If it's too high, it's going to pull over too soon. It's going to dump fuel. So the float level is very, very important. And remember, if the float is suspended from the air horn, which is the top of the carburetor, it's either a three-piece or a two-piece carburetor, but the air horn is the top of the carburetor, then it is going to have a float drop and a float level. If it's in the float, if it's in the main body of the carburetor, it's going to have a float height or float level adjustment. Very, very important. That goes to all carburetors, even on small engines. So we're going to go through that. Take the mixture screws out and take some very fine, very fine, like uh, Scotch Brite or steel wool, and polish those spray carburetor cleaner. Clean everything up. When it comes to carburetors, cleanliness is next to godliness all right and don't buy don't say ah oh, the heck with that hot rod i'm going to go to town and i'm going to buy a rebuilt one don't buy a rebuilt one unless something is really busted off that carburetor and i'll tell you why because these carburetors and it's been the same thing for 40 years they go to a rebuilder they take all the parts they throw them into a into a into a soak bath and they put them together because you have to remember the carburetor is designed for that application it's family appearance is going to look the same the parts are going to fit the same but the orifices the jets the air bleeds the metering block so like on a holly style carburetor you could have 
10 different metering block calibrations, but they're all going to bolt in the same. And over the years, I've seen carburetors where the air bleeds were one side, size on one side, the jet, it's no good. You want to keep that carburetor with that engine. And, and before you parked it, if it was a rebuilt and it ran fine, then it'll run fine again. Alrighty. The next thing I want you to do is, well, you probably don't have this tool, so I'm going to say spend a little bit of money. You could buy a cheap one for around $150. It's called a smoke tester. And it's, a, and it's a vacuum leak or just a smoke that you could use on your sprayer. You could use it on anything. You could spend $3,000 for one, but you could buy a, an inexpensive one and it puts a non-toxic, non-flammable smoke into the engine. You hook it up to, to sharp air pressure, three or four pounds to push it through. And you need to look for vacuum leaks. Now, keep in mind that you know, guys, somebody says, ah, the heck with that, I'm going to use carburetor cleaner, whatever. It's it, This is going to find the most minute vacuum leak. You could buy an inexpensive one for about hundred less than $150. Go to my website under um, the learning tab, and I have an article on that. All right, you'll love this tool. All right, and also if it's a later 1970s, early 80s gas engine, it may very well have a an egr valve on it and keep in mind if that egr valve pintle is loaded up with carbon then what will happen is that valve will not seal and it's going to run like a bag of bolts you'll you'll take the carburetor apart and then distribute a thousand times and it's going to run like a bag of bolts so what i say is smoke test the intake because as the truck sat for years it's very old the gaskets in them deteriorate and it may not be a major vacuum leak but when you're dealing with vacuum leaks on an engine same thing is with a diesel it's not really vacuum but boost leaks is that they're usually cumulative you have a little bit of a leak here a little bit of a leak there and you put it all together and it's got a problem so so a smoke tester is a trust me if you if you're spending your time listening to me trust me on this it's not going to break the bank you buy a cheap one for 150 dollars all right you buy the chem it comes with the chemical and then you could buy the chemical again to make the smoke it's non-toxic non-flammable smoke you'll love it you want to check your sprayer you want to check a tank you want it, it's fantastic you'll say to yourself how did i live without it Right, so smoke test that engine because it's very common for you to have vacuum leaks. The next thing, whether it's break a point through electronic ignition, pull a distributor apart. If it's a GM application, it's a little bit easier because you could get to the weights and springs without taking it apart, but you want to make sure that the weights and springs are, are, are functional, that the weights are not seized, that the uh, centrifugal advance mechanism, so you have to take the distributor cap off and twist the rotor, all right, because even though that the weights may be free, the centrifugal advance mechanism, which is part, goes into part of the shaft, is an integral with the shaft, may not be free, all right? Take, and if it's a if it's an international or a Ford or a Dodge, then what you need to do is take that distributor part, take that breaker plate out. You're gonna have to clean that breaker plate, lubricate it, everything. Look, make sure it's all good in there. Because if you don't have the proper spark advance curve, this engine is not gonna run. And I should say it's not gonna run. It's not gonna run properly. All right, and you're gonna be blaming everything under the sun. So we're going to take that distributor part and make sure. And if you got a young guy working with you, teach him how to pull a distributor out. All right, putting the engine on top that sent the mark in the position of the rotor. That's a life lesson that you that they need to learn. All right. The other thing, keep in mind that if you did replace the coil, or you are going to replace the ignition coil. 
that there, if it, that there are internal and external resistance coils. All right, historically, if it has breaker points, historically, it's going to have, if it has a ballast resistor like a Chrysler or a resistance wire, it's, it's going to have an external resistance coil. It's not going to have an internal resistance coil. So very common for you to get the wrong coil. Very easy for you to check once you get it running. Put a voltmeter, positive end of the voltmeter, on the on the positive lead of the coil, the negative end of the voltmeter, the ground, obviously, and read the voltage while the engine is running. It should have about eight to nine volts at the coil with the engine running. If you see, and that's eh, probably, I'd say it's going to be seven to nine volts. If you see six volts there, five volts there, whatever then the resistance is wrong in the coil very very easy and that goes with anything right if it's a if it's an electronic ignition like a gmhi that's completely different and use no resistor it was 12 volts to the coil but if it was an older ford door or spark or something it's gonna it's it should have 12 volts to that coil also if it's a chrysler with one of their chrome boxes they still step the voltage down so very very important a lot of trucks got sidelined because of the wrong ignition coil or a bad ignition coil all right the other thing is that you're going to adjust the carburetor once you get it running you're going to adjust the idle mixture you're going to make love to it you're going to turn each screw a little bit and you're going to use a tachometer you're not going to use a vacuum gauge all right using a vacuum gauge every you say use a vacuum gauge for the highest vacuum it is not accurate enough that's like you looking at a cornfield at 60 miles an hour riding by and saying what the nitrogen content is that's nitrogen deficient so you're going to use a and you're going to adjust the mixture for the highest rpm so what you're going to do is you're going to turn the mixture screws in first before you start you're going to bring each one out two turns all right and then you're going to start to go in which will be lean and very very slowly eighth of a turn watch attack eighth of a turn watch attack and then get your highest rpm and go to the other the other mixture screw and do the same thing and then if you have to close the throttle plates down that's fine not an issue because you got so much rpm there that's beautiful all right and the other thing is you're going to set the timing and you're going to have to remember that the specification for the timing is going to be for the gas that when that truck was built and the reason why is it's the flame speed and the burn speed of the fuel is different today i'm not going to get into an argument with people about whether e10 burns quicker because it has to do with the whole chemical composition of the fuel so the the factory specifications are a starting point put two degrees more in two degrees let's see how it likes it you're probably gonna have to go back and readjust the carburetor but also you're going to need to use an advanced timing light and plot the whole spark advance curve just because you made sure that the weights were, were free then the springs are good maybe the springs are very weak and it's flying out at a thousand rpm in full advance you need to check this stuff and you may have to recurve that distributor but if you do that if you do that this thing is going to run beautifully because if that engine is sound mechanically there is no reason why that truck will not run great and it'll be a source of pride for you and you'll be going to town or doing it and it'll become instead of something sitting behind the shed there it's going to be a worker and your family will be grandpa dad whoever had it will be very very happy if they're here still with us or if they're with the lord to see it working again
bring rural America's most important network with you on RFD TV now. Watch from anywhere, at home, on the farm, even while riding your tractor. Stream agricultural news and weather, commodity market reports, along with traditional country music and entertainment for less than $10 a month. Go to WatchRFDTV.com to subscribe to Rural America's Most Important Network. RFDTV Now. It's back. 100 rodeos in 100 days. The excitement starts with the first round from the Reno Rodeo and doesn't end until the last day, hour, and minute of the Pro Rodeo regular season in late September. It includes rodeos like the Reno Rodeo, Calgary Stampede, Cheyenne Frontier Days, the California Rodeo, the Ellensburg Rodeo, the NFR Playoff in Puyallup, Washington, and so many more. It's 100 rodeos in 100 days, only on the Cowboy Channel, the official home of Pro Rodeo. Hail is ruthless. It doesn't consider that leveling just one acre could cost you hundreds of dollars. But you have a defense. The Hail Hotline from FBN Crop Insurance. A quick call can insure you within two hours. Call 866-824-4018. That's 866-824-4018. FBN Crop Insurance Services are offered by FBN Insurance LLC, an equal opportunity provider and only available where licensed. Visit fbn.com insurance for more information. Hey folks, join us for the Better Horses Radio Show airing on Wednesday and Thursday evenings at 11 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio Channel 147 with hosts Ron McDaniel, Don Dawson, and me, Ernie Rodina. This week we visit with Anthony Gatto of Kensington Protective Products and Matt Mills about Road to the Horse on the Cowboy Channel. So tune in to the Better Horses Radio Show right here on Rural Radio Channel 147. Hey, we'll see you there. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. So now we'll get ready for the under the sheet metal segment. And we're going to be discussing diesel fuel storage tanks. But first, my good buddy, Tex Rubinowitz from Ripsaw Records, the hot rod man, is going to sing for us. He's got that carburetor tuned up. Yo! All righty, there he is. We have to cut text off so we can get going here. Would you eat from a dirty plate? Then why are you asking your engines to run with fuel from a neglected on-farm diesel storage tank? Fuel storage tanks are subjected to thermal cycling, humidity, and the introduction of moisture, even with a well-sealed unit. This causes sludge and acids to form in the tank, and even though equipped with a filter, many get past and take up residence in your equipment's fuel tank. They then attack the fuel system components of the engine, decreasing both reliability and performance and leaving you with costly and untimely repairs. With every delivery of fuel to the farm, use a good sludge remover and biocide to eliminate contaminants, water, and bacteria. Introduce these products before filling so that they thoroughly mix. You will greatly extend the life of all filters, and your engines will thank you for it. So that's something that you really got to do. A lot of people neglect those diesel fuel storage tanks, and they forget all about them. And then you're pumping. It's like like putting on dirty socks with clean clothes right what good is that 
but a lot of problems start at that on-farm diesel fuel storage tank. So it's very, very, very important that you take care of that properly and treat that because it is like a Petri dish for everything to grow in there, especially they're outside hot cold sun baking on a thermal change so listen i want to thank you so much for tuning in and i want you to know that the hot rod farmer is pulling for you the american farmer and rancher and my beloved beloved america you have a blessed day i'll catch you next week and thanks for listening farmers know that conditions can change quickly and shifts in the market or in policy can have a big impact i'm chip flory and every weekday on agritalk we tackle the day's news with a panel of experts and lawmakers at the forefront of the issues we connect producers with consumers and we connect you with the information that you need if it's related to ag we're talking about it on agritalk weekdays at 2 p.m eastern 1 p.m central on rural radio 147 and on the sirius xm app We know you love rodeo as much as we do. And now with the Cowboy Channel Plus app, there's a whole lot more to love. So whether you're listening to live rodeo action from across the country, browsing the archive to catch up on past events, or following along while you listen on the radio, we want to hear about it. Shoot an email to Patrick at RFDTV.com to let Rural Media Group founder and president Patrick Gotch know how you are using the Cowboy Channel Plus. Don't have it yet? Sign up at CowboyChannelPlus.com today. Rural Radio is the first and only national radio channel serving rural Americans on Sirius XM. Nowhere else on radio can you catch Western sports every single day, making Rural Radio the undisputed leader for Western sports coverage. Between our coverage and downloading the Cowboy Channel Plus app, you'll have access to any major Western sports news and events 24-7. Rural Radio Channel 147, the agribusiness and Western lifestyle channel. At Rural Radio, we love the fact we can be with you wherever you are, in the cab, on your farm, on the road, in town. And at This Week in Agribusiness, we're especially proud to join you weekly on Rural Radio. Yeah, this is Max Armstrong. Maybe you know the voice. Join us Saturday mornings at 8 Eastern on Rural Radio, exclusively on Sirius XM 147. I'm Alan Sibley from the Bluegrass Trail on RFD-TV. Thanks for listening to Rural Radio 147 on Sirius XM.